0: Welcome to the May 10th Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, as we begin the study of the Gospel of John, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to begin a new journey through a new book of the Bible. This book, I have preached from it so many times, but I've never preached through it. And we're going to go through, walk by step-by-step, by step, walking through, verse-by-verse, verse, the Gospel of John for the next many, many Sundays to come. Uh, I know it's going to take a lot of sermons to cover this great book of the Bible, and yet I'm looking forward to it. I am ready to begin this morning as we open the Gospel of John. Take your Bible, open it with me to John chapter 1. And as we begin this study, let me give you a dream, uh, uh, an outlook of what I want to see as an end result of this series. Over the years, I think any of us who are biblical students, those of us who have been in church for a long time, many, many people have approached us and say say to us, you know, I'm overwhelmed when it comes to opening the Bible and reading it, and I don't know where to start, I don't know where to to get a, a really good beginning in the Bible. I, for one, and I think many of our members here always say, start by reading the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus is the centerpiece of the Bible, and John is so good in explaining who Jesus is. I have sent many, many people over the years to begin reading the Bible in the Gospel of John. It clearly introduces Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here's my dream for this study. When it is complete... I would love for Clifford Baptist Church to produce this sermon series in a box set so that you might have them as church members. And when you come up on someone who really wants to begin understanding the Word of God, begin studying, you can give them this set of sermons from the Gospel of John and give them a good footing as to what the Bible is all about. And the key character of the center of the Bible is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. So I want this to become a resource that will introduce people to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So as we get started today, I want to nail down some basic information about this gospel. And as we begin, as we open this study in the gospel of John, let's just have a word of prayer together. Our Father and our God, thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you that we meet here together in this sanctuary, many many homes outside of this sanctuary, meeting today by streaming uh, in this pandemic going across our country and world, Lord. But we thank you that we are still together, bound by the Holy Spirit, that we might worship you. Lord, today as we open the Gospel of John, we pray that you will lay your hand on the preacher, lay your hand on your word. Bless us, Father, as we hear about your Son, who came to save us, to give us life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And as we get started, Father, we pray that you will bless us and lead us through every verse of this great book of the Bible together. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin the Gospel of John, of course, it was written by John, the old disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, most of the disciples died as young men, They died martyrs' deaths. But John, the disciple, was given the opportunity of God to live many, many days and to be very productive in his ministry and in his work. And as we begin opening this word today, we know that it was written by that disciple, the one he describes himself, the one whom Jesus loved, the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest uh, as they celebrated the Passover together. As we think about the good news of the Gospel of John, we realize that there are four eyewitness accounts, four biographies of Jesus in your Bible. In your New Testament, you will find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels, meaning that each one of these three accounts were written by a man, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, with a very particular slant in mind as to how they wanted to portray Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But they also draw from one another. Much of the material that you will find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is very similar. Uh, They seem to use each other as a template for study, as a template for how to convey the life of Christ. But each one has its own slant. For example, Matthew. He is writing to his family, the Jewish audience, the Jewish people who need to come to Christ as Savior. And he is proving to them through his gospel that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that Israel has been looking for, praying for, waiting for. Matthew says, here he is. This is our Messiah we have waited for for centuries. Mark is the shortest of those three synoptic gospels. And he's probably the first gospel writer. He's the first one to produce a gospel. Mark describes Jesus as a servant. Mark's uh, center point of his gospel is that he wants to show Jesus as the one who heals. The one to whom you come in great need and he will bring you the healing that you need. Luke's audience is Gentile. That's natural because Luke is the only Gentile writer in all of the biblical word. He is the one who writes Luke in Acts, but he's the only Gentile writer amongst all the writers of the 66 books of the Bible. So Luke is writing to his family. He's writing to the Gentile audience as he introduces Jesus as the Son of Man and the Son of God. Luke is interesting in that he is a physician. Uh, Paul specifies that Luke is a physician, a healer of men. And so that makes him very detail-oriented, and he truly does center in on the healings. Naturally so, he's a physician. And so he describes the healings that Jesus gives, but his center audience is the Gentile people because he himself is a Gentile. So while each one of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke has its own slant, its own personality because it comes through, uh, through separate writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are much alike. Matthew and Luke probably used Mark, the first Gospel, as their rule of thumb, as their template, as their outline for what they were going to write as well. So they're very parallel one with the other. In fact, I have a book in my library called Gospel Parallels, taking Matthew, Mark, and Luke and showing how each one lines up with the other, but with the Gospel of John, where we are going to begin today. John stands alone. This is the last account. This is the last biography written of Jesus' life It was probably written by the old disciple John somewhere around 80 or 90 A.D. Some 50 years, 50 years after he had walked with Jesus on the shores of Galilee. 50 years as he had heard Jesus preach. 50 years as he had seen the miracles come forth. Even the miracle of raising people from the dead. Jairus' daughter, John, was there when she was raised from the dead. John was there when Jesus died on the cross. John was there when Jesus from the cross said, Take care of my mother. Take her to your home. And that very hour John did that. John was there with Peter as they ran to that empty tomb and saw that Jesus was not there. He had been risen from the dead. And so John feels the urge of God to write down this biography of Jesus some 50 years after he had walked with the Christ. He had seen his miracles. And John shares events that are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And while Matthew, Mark, and Luke give a historical account of what Jesus did... John gives more of an interpretation, more of a theological background of why Jesus did what he did. He was showing us that Jesus is indeed God himself. Now, this is very important. I would encourage you, if you're going to hang with me throughout the Gospel of John, get yourself a notebook, take some notes along with me in this sermon series. And if you do that, here's one of the first notes that you need to write down. John is the one and the only Gospel writer who tells us why he wrote his book. If you want to turn with me today, you can go to John chapter 20 and look at verses 30 and 31. I will refer to this passage, these two little verses, I'm sure, over and over again as we go through the gospel of John. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Write that down. If you want to open your Bible with me now, listen to these words. This is the only writer who tells us why he wrote his book. He says this. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And so as we open the Gospel of John, we see exactly why John writes his book. He wants to bring people to Jesus as Lord and Savior. He said, I could not write down everything that Jesus did. In fact, as he closes his book, he says, if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain all the books to be written. But I'm writing down enough that you can see the life of Christ and you can hear his words and you can witness his miracles and you know that he has gone to the cross and risen from the grave so that you might believe in him as your personal savior. That's why he wrote the book. It's a witnessing tool. That's why this gospel is so exciting as we go through it together. So John says this, this is my account of Jesus' life. As you read it, I want you to know that this is a man of history. This man did walk on the soil of the earth. But also beyond those facts, I want you to know that he is the Son of God. And that he gave himself that we might come to know God himself as Savior and Lord. So this book assures us that it is a witnessing tool. That's why I'm praying one of these days we'll box up all of these sermons and give them to people who need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior because this is the ultimate witnessing tool of the Bible. It's meant to bring lost people to forgiveness and salvation and life. This book's sole purpose is to lead us to Jesus as the Christ, as the Savior, as the Lord, as the Son, as the Lamb of God. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our friend. That being said, as we just get a little of the background of the Gospel of John, I want us to to go to chapter 1. Now, the first chapter of John, verses 1 through 18, that's called the prologue of the gospel of John. The prologue, verses 1 through 18. It's been said that if every Bible on earth were lost or destroyed, or if every Bible on earth somehow disappeared, that if we have the first 18 verses of the gospel of John, Any person in the world can come to Jesus as Savior. These 18 verses in the Gospel of John have been called the gospel in miniature. The prologue of John teaches us from creation to the coming of Christ to his salvation for us. Uh, It's it's beautiful as we read these 18 verses. Uh, They're so deep. They are so life-changing. There is no earthly way I could preach one sermon on these 18 verses. It cannot be done unless you want to sit for two or three hours. I don't think you want to do that today. So we're going to break it down a bit. Uh, Although I can preach through this entire passage of Scripture, we're going to break it into pieces of verses. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 today. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. But before I get to those three verses, let me read the entire prologue of the gospel of John as one unit. Because this is the gospel in miniature. Hear it through and through. And know that this is the word of God that can bring anyone to salvation in Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. John 1, begin with verse 1. In the beginning was the word... He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This is He of whom I spake, He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. May God add His blessing to this beautiful, precious portion of His Word. Now, obviously, these 18 verses have tremendously deep truth in them. Uh, So today we're going to begin by looking at the first three of those verses. Back up and let's read those three verses one more time. John 1, begin with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Okay, let's start with the first three words. In the beginning. You know, there's another book of the Bible that begins that very same way. And you know that that is the book of Genesis. And Genesis means the book of beginnings. John starts his gospel in the same way, in the beginning. These words refer back to an eternal beginning. I believe that John readily wants to tie the name of Christ to the beginnings of history and Genesis and eternity It's almost more than we can conceive in our human minds because for us, our lives are built on beginnings. All of us have beginnings. We're built on the time frame of beginnings. All of us have a birthday. All of us have beginnings of of different things that happen in our life. The day we got married, the day we graduated, the day we built a new house, the day we started a new job, whatever it is, our lives are built on beginnings That's our time frame. That's our reference. We understand our lives in terms of beginnings and and going forward from a beginning. But God Almighty does not have a beginning. We have to be able to get that in our minds, to conceive that God has no beginning. He eternally has been. He eternally is today. He is the great I am today. And He eternally will be for every Tomorrow of eternally, God will be there with us and for us. There is no beginning of God. There is no end of God. He is eternal in nature. And here is John's truth. It's It's a building block of the Bible. You need to write this down. Jesus, God's Son, is part of the Godhead. And Jesus has no true beginning he is eternal in nature now certainly there was a day some 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus stepped out of his eternal glory and he took on flesh at Bethlehem and he came to be with us but Jesus did not have a beginning in the manger he simply stepped out of his eternal being and took on flesh in the incarnation and was born among us, to walk among us. We have to understand that Jesus has always existed. We have to get that in our minds. He has an eternal framework. He's always existed. He always will exist. When God said, let there be light, the first words of Genesis, Jesus was there. In fact, you notice here John's reference to the eternal name of the Son of God. John says He is the Word. You'll notice in your Bible that Word is capitalized. It is a personal name. It is the name of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the Word of God. We literally hear God through Jesus. We hear eternal words through Jesus as He speaks to us. Do you remember back in Genesis? In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had sinned and fallen into rebellion, do you remember they ran and they tried to hide from God because they were so ashamed of what they had done? And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Scripture says, The voice of the Lord was walking in the garden. Now think about that. Sometimes we read Scripture and we just kind of let it pass over our brain cells and not give it much thought. But think about that word. The voice of God was walking in the garden. The voice was given legs walking in the garden. And, of course, that voice calls out to Adam and says, Where art thou? The voice, the word that Adam heard in the garden, I believe, was the voice of Jesus. The Word of God, the spoken Word of God. Every word of Jesus in your red-letter Bible that you hold on your lap today is literally the voice of God Almighty speaking to us. Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven so that He could speak the Word of God to us. It is recorded in those Gospels, in those red-letter editions. Why is that point important? Why is that point of Scripture so very important? that we need to hear it. Listen friends, that point is absolutely crucial to the Bible and that point is absolutely crucial to our faith. Here's why. Listen very carefully. Many religion, many religions around the world, even sects, S E C T S, even sects that label themselves Christians often say Jesus was a great man. Jesus was a prophet of God. Jesus represented God. He came to earth to speak a word from God. But here in these three verses, John emphasizes that Jesus was never, he was not sent here as a representative of God. Jesus was not sent here in order to speak a word from God. He was not sent here to speak as a prophet for God. But rather... Jesus came as God himself. He did not come to speak for God. He did not come to give a witness to God. He came as God to speak to us. He stepped out of his heavenly authority, his majesty, his power, his brilliance, and he stepped out of heaven to come to us. He was not a great prophet of God. He was God himself coming to us. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that. There are many other expressions of faith, who don't believe that God himself stepped out of heaven. But that's what we believe. That's what John says. The Word of God, God himself, part of the Godhead, stepped out of eternity and came to be with us. He was not just a great man who did great things. God himself walked among us. God himself showed us grace. God himself showed us love. God himself spoke to us. God himself went to the cross. God himself rose from the grave. The Word, the voice of God came to be with us. We have to confirm that. We have to believe that that is the foundation of the Bible. God Himself came to us. You know, over many years, the news and magazines and TV has shown us the Queen of England. And when we see the Queen of England, most of the time she is royally dressed and she is properly escorted. And everyone is charged to practice etiquette around her. Women will curtsy as she walks by. Men will bow as the Queen of England walks by. When she does venture out into the world of common people, she's always protected. She's always sheltered. She's always shielded. Why is that? Because she's royal. Because people address her as Her Majesty. And most of the time, she leaves in complete separation from the people of England. But John says here, the royal of all royals, and the creator of the universe, and the master who controls the paths of the stars and the planets, the king of all kings, and the lord of all lords, stepped out of heaven and came to live among us. He did not live in the separation of a castle. He did not dress in the robes of royalty. He didn't set himself apart from us at all, but rather he came to live with us. In fact, one translation of these words in John is that he came to pitch his tent among us, to be one of us, to live like us. It's amazing when we think about the life of Christ. God himself, born in the humblest of hospitals, wearing the clothes of a lowly servant. In fact, as, as, as we go to the crucifixion narratives, you know he only had one set of clothes and they gambled away for them. He had very few possessions. He had no home. He certainly had no bodyguard. He had no money to speak of. What the Gospel of John, what all the Gospels teach us is that God Himself came to be with us, to, came up to come to be among us. God Himself got His hands dirty as He healed us. He was just as real in the healing as those nurses and doctors are in this pandemic in the heart of New York City. Jesus is a healer. He got His hands dirty as He healed us, as He spoke to us. His feet got filthy. As he traveled from town to town, preaching the good news of a loving God. He came to be with us. He came to travel among us. He groaned. He got tired. He got thirsty. He came to us in order to give us the good news of Christ. And beyond our human logic, the very word, the very voice of God was silenced. For three days, the word, the voice, was silenced. On the cross, when Jesus, the Son of God, said, It is finished, His voice was silent from that cross moment until after His resurrection when He approached one of the people who loved Him in this world and said, Mary. So that voice was silent for that three-day period between the cross and the resurrection, and yet God spoke to us the loudest I love you that the universe has ever heard in those three days. A Savior who gave himself on the cross, God himself allowing his blood to be shed that we might be forgiven, God himself rising from the grave that we might know that we have eternal life. Friends, I hope you can see right now my excitement that we are standing on the brink of an amazing Bible study I want you to remember the reason John wrote the gospel, that you may believe. That's why we're going to gather here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as we study this book, that you might believe. That as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're already saved, that we might believe more deeply, that our walk with Him will get closer. This is much more than just believing a story. This is so much more to being a fairy tale that people want to memorize. It's not even kin to a fairy tale. This is believing in and surrendering to the Son of God who is so real, so strong, that he would give himself to us, that he would step out of glory, that we might come to him as Savior. So we know that Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, the Word, the voice, stepped out of glory, and he surrendered all in order to come to us. So here's what we do for him. We then, believing, surrender everything to him. We give our heart, our lives, our soul, our future, our family, our possessions, everything belongs to him. He came and gave his everything for us, even to a cross and to an empty tomb. And for those who believe, we are called to give our everything back to him. We sell out. We lay everything we have at his feet because we give everything we have to him. Do you and I believe that? Do we want to give ourselves to him that intently, that intensely that we will sell out to him with everything we have? If you truly do, if you truly mean it, yes, Lord, I give you everything I am and everything I'll ever be and everything I have, if you truly mean that, it will bring you to worship him. There is no way that you can sell out to Him and not worship Him. I believe it, and I want to sell out to Him in every way in my life. I'm not there yet. I'm working toward that goal to give Him everything, but I want to walk that walk day by day. But friends, I want to tell you, you can't sleep late, read the newspaper on Sunday morning and linger over breakfast and watch some random TV show and say, I've sold out to Jesus. It cannot be. It cannot happen. You can't withhold your talent from ministry. If God has given you a talent as a believer, and He has for every one of us. You can't withhold your talent and say, I've sold out to Jesus. It does not work. It cannot be. You can't give Him a little piece of your tithe and say, I've sold out to Jesus. You have to give Him everything He deserves, everything He asks. For and truly, He will use our giving to bring Jesus to the world. True belief... Is total sellout, period. There's no such thing as partial sellout. There's no such thing as a partial Christian, one who lives in the church on Sunday and lives in the world the rest of the week. It cannot be. It's all or nothing. Jesus gave his all for us, and that's what he asks of us, and it is entirely right for him to ask of us our all, surrendering to him. Today, brothers and sisters, And this invitation includes me as a believer. Will we fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, you are my Savior. You are my God. I believe that you stepped out of eternity to come to save me. I believe that you stepped out of eternity to come to find the one wandering sheep. You left the 99 in heaven to come find the wanderer, me. And because, Lord, I proclaim you as my Savior, I'm selling out to you. I'm selling out to you in worship. I'm selling out to you in service. I'm selling out to you in my possessions. I'm selling out to you in my family. Everything I have belongs to you. Lead everything I do. I want it to be yours. Will we come to the altar of our heart today? I would love to call you to the altar of the church today, but will you come to the altar of your heart this moment and say, Lord Jesus, I confirm to you, I want to sell out to you. Everything I am belongs to you. I pray, believers, we'll do that. I believe that the Lord has allowed this COVID-19 pandemic to go through us so we can truly settle down, sit back, be quiet, and rethink who we are. I think these days have been good for us when we haven't been able to carry on as normal and we realize how important the church is to our life, how much we miss it, how much we, wish, maybe we miss worship. Maybe the Lord has called us back just to rethink, have you really surrendered? What do you want to give to my son? now that you've been able to pray it through and think about it. Maybe today's a new day for you and me as we sell out to this risen Savior. But if you don't know this King of Kings and you've never met this Lord of Lords, you can come to Him today and you can say, Lord, I believe you're God Himself. And you went to a cross for me personally to save me, a sinner. I come to ask you, Lord, to be my Savior I place my faith and my life in you, and I give you everything I have. I pray you'll do that today. Fall where you are right now. Bow your head. If you can, get on your knees and just say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. I pray that many are saved in the first three verses of John chapter 1. He is the Lord. He is our God. He is our Savior, and he loves us that much. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments, Lord. I'm so looking forward to these days that we will spend together walking through the Gospel of John. Bless us, we pray, Lord. Bless that one who needs Jesus as Savior today. Bless him. Bless her, Lord, that they will put their heart in your hands, their lives under your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.